Robin. Who's your favorite witch? Ooh. That's a toughie, because there's so many good ones, right? Like, there's Elvira, there's Endora, there's Samantha, uh, Sabrina, uh, the Sanderson sisters, blah, blah, blah. But I'm going to have to go a two-way tie here. The witch from The Blair Witch Project, I guess, because The Blair Witch was the sequel that was terrible. And uh, Thomason from The Vitch. Vavavavitch. Solid. Yeah. How about you? Ina Garten. <laughs> Explain yourself. I'd rather not. Okay. Well, I can't make any more demands of you than I already do. If you haven't watched her show, that's on you. I guess it really is that if, uh, if you know, you know situation. If you know, you know. Jeffrey knows. Oh, Jeffrey definitely knows. Jeffrey definitely knows. He has been under her love spell since he was born. Hmm. Facts. <laughs> since he was born. Facts. Uh, that's got grosser implications than you want, I think. Fair. <laughs> I take it back, I guess. I don't know. That was a crude joke. Yes, 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 yes. But we're used to those here. Hey, babe. Yeah, babe. Remember that time we watched Black Sunday? You mean the 1960 Italian gothic horror, not to be confused with the 1977 movie about a literal blimp? Yes. <laughs> if you Google Black Sunday, that is the first thing that comes up. That is it not is. the movie we are speaking of today. No, we've never covered anything with a blimp on here. Nope, not to this date. We'll be following our usual format, as always. And if just in case you're new here, what that is, is Topher will take us through who made this thing, shout out the cast and crew, and then I will take us through the plot, and then we will analyze and talk about said plot. But before that, we have a little bit of horror news for you here today. Sure do. I'm very excited about this one. Mm -hmm. So if you've ever listened to probably a single episode of this podcast, I've talked about how much I love a certain man named Alex Garland. We've actually covered both of his uh, writing and directing uh, films on here, mm -hmm. and a few of the ones that he wrote and were shot by Danny Boyle. Yeah. So he has a new one coming up this year with from A24, Yep. Uh, which he's done all of his movies through. It's called Men. Um, yeah. My God. The, how I found out about this was um, this TikTok creator stitched some guy who was like, so we have a new movie coming out um, called Men, and then it, it cuts to her and she's like, ah, that's enough for me. That shit's <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> but yeah, the trailer looks stunning. I mean, he's always had re a really good eye for like saturated colors and like big wide shots that feel just creepy because of the amount of negative space. Mm -hmm. uh, the cast looks good. I only have three members of it right here, and it's Jesse Buckley, Rory Kinnear, and uh, Papa Esayidu. So yeah. I'm very excited. It sounds fucking dope. I don't know what more to say other than I love Alex Garland and I will watch anything and everything he does and heap a shit ton of praise on it. Yeah, we don't, I, I'm not sure when exactly it comes out. It's uh, May this year. May comes this out May year? 20th, 2022. Cute. We have a lot of good stuff on the horizon to look forward to. It's awesome. Sure do. This is going to be a really great spring summer season with um, Nope coming out and... Um, this coming out and a couple other things that we've been talking about so mm -hmm. yeah so back to this movie who made this thing tover oh you know just some casual people so the movie was originally released under the name la mascara del demonio uh mask of the demon mm -hmm. 
Uh, it was directed and shot and like he, the, Mario Bava is our director here, and good lord, I love him. He had a really cool career before this when he was like he's he shoots all his own movies, right? Yeah. So he's DP for everything that he uh, that he directed. But he got his start working for uh, Steve Reeves hmm. on those Hercules movies. He was a uh, lighting and DP for those. Huh. And I always, it's like, whenever I remember that Steve Reeves is a real person, uh, it makes me laugh. Because all I know him from, I've seen some of his movies, just like hokey ones on old, like old movies and channels and shit. But I always think of Sweet Transvestite from Rocky Horror. Right. Because he goes, oh, let's see. Or if you want something visceral that's not too abysmal, we could take in an old Steve Reeves movie. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, my favorite song to sing ever. Correct. And I did play Franken for Girl through college. Um, I look fantastic in fishnets. <laughs> but yeah, so that's how Mario Baba got his, sh- uh, got his start. Um, but yeah, then he, this is his debut feature. Um, he had never, like, had accredited directorial anything before this. But he would go on to do Black Sabbath a few years later. Um, and then he would do Bay of Blood, which I absolutely love. That is one of my favorite, favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he, yeah, it, I, I adore Mario Bava, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ennio dei Concini, I'm going to apologize for any Italian I fuck up. I'm not very good at it. I have no tongue for it. But yeah, Ennio dei de Concini and Mario Serrandre uh, wrote the screenplay. It was based on... A, short story or tale from uh, Nikolai Gogol. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it bears some resemblance to it, but it's more like inspiration than anything. More vibes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so our cast, we have the famous, famous Barbara Steele yep. as Princess Asa Vajda and Katya Vajda. Um, this was her big, this is her breakthrough role. She had been an extra in some things. She was actually in the 39 Steps as a background extra. Really? Yeah. Fun fact. Yeah, but she would go on to be in a bunch of other stuff, including Hitchcock Presents and it's like the evil Dr. Hitchcock or something like that, or the cruel Dr. Hitchcock, something like that. Hmm. We have John Richardson as Dr. Andre Gorbeck. Uh, Andrea Cecchi as Dr. Choma Kruvajan. Ivo Garani as Prince Vajda. <laughs> Uh, Arturo Dominici as Igor Jovovich, and Enrico Oliveri as uh, Constantine Vajda. Mm. There's some other folks around, but that's our that's our main cast. Um, the music, the original music, not the U.S. version, uh, was from Roberto Nicolosi, a fantastic composer. He uh, unfortunately died too soon, but he also came up under Steve Reeves, and Mario Bava handpicked him for this and all of his later projects. Um, and I love the original score on this. The U.S. version's fine, but the original one is like aces mario sarandre was our editor and yeah so mario bava like i said he did shoot the film itself like he was a cinematographer he yeah. picked the lighting and everything uh he also did all of the paintings in the film including the matte paintings that's so cool yeah and he worked with um his brother eugenio mm-hmm. um so his brother's a sculptor and did all the masks and everything so the the titular mask was sculpted by his brother and mario did all of the matte paintings and other special effects and things like that Nice. Yeah, I really love, like, I don't know, he's got some Carpenter vibes um, in that way of, like, being a part of every single aspect of this. Yeah. Um, so it always makes me happy when I, like, I don't know, something about that is, like, it's very indie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, so when it was released, to get it released in the U.S., they had to make a lot of cuts because it was considered too erotic. 
Yeah, I mean, if you're thinking about um, we're we're in 1960. Oh, we're deep in the Hayes Code. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was, it was very much so erotic for. It, it's for the time. it's a sexy movie. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, um, but the version we watched was on Shutter. Love them. And it was <laughs> sponsor us. Sponsor us, please. I want to stop paying the five dollars a month. <laughs> wow, I'm He's cheap. Cheap. Um, but yeah, so the version we watched on there is the Amer- is the uh, English dub. Yeah. But it has the restored. It's the uh, they restored it to an HD format from the original 35 millimeter prints. Mm-hmm. So it has three minutes of restored footage, uh, the original score to it. Uh, so I really appreciated that it had you know. A little more of what we were looking for. You can pretty. actually see the original. It's not in Italian. I have seen it both ways. A lot of the Italian versions I find are really grainy. They haven't done a full restoration on those, uh, which is unfortunate. I think they should if we have a 35 millimeter print. Um, but I don't know if they have the original um, print with the uh, Italian dialogue, right? Or at least one that can be restored well enough. Um, but yeah, it runs at 87 minutes. This movie made so much fucking money. Mm. It was not that expensive to shoot. I don't have a ton of data on that, but I've seen some numbers, and they put it, you know, on the lower end because again, it was an independent film essentially. Yeah. Um, Italian film was like really just starting to pop off. Like we just had we like Romero was making his start right about now. Sergio Leone is still just uh, working as like an assistant and like working as like a, a grip and all of that. Um, he hadn't gone on to make his big pieces yet. Uh, but we were starting to get that big Italian uh, renaissance in film, or not even renaissance, because it was the first time they were ever doing it, really. Um, but this is like this is what influences the spaghetti western and giallo, all of that sort of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it made 139 million pounds. Woo. Yeah. Woo. This movie made all the damn money. Wow. That's like that's like a Marvel budget these days. If we if we go with the, what is it like the pound is like a one point seven or one point eight or something like that to the dollar, so mm-hmm. multiply it by two and subtract some. Jesus Christ, that's a lot. Yeah, um, but that's enough from me right now. <laughs> uh, babe, why don't you tell us what happens in this uh, dope film? Sure. So we travel all the way back to sixteen thirty or around then the sixteen thirties, whatever, in Moldavia. We have Asavajda, a vampiric witch, which is dope. It's like Elvira. I, I, I do. I from from just like the aesthetics of um, Asavajda mm-hmm. to Elvira, like they're it's, very similar. It's, it's a one to one, honestly. And also just like a vampiric witch, like work. And um, so her and her lover are sentenced to death, right? Her yeah. lover. Yeah. yeah. Um, her lover is sentenced to death for sorcery by Asa's brother, Griabi. And Asa vows revenge and puts a curse on his descendants. Bronze masks with sharp spikes on the inside are placed over Asa and her lover's faces, and they're hammered into their flesh. Ouch. Um, <laughs> but then a sudden storm prevents the villagers from burning them at the stake. I wonder where this storm came from. Seriously. <laughs> Maybe the vampiric witch summoned it. I doubt it. I but don't know. Shit, this is one of my favorite convenient. openings in horror films. This is this comes out the gate. This is like up there with um, Evil Dead from 2013. Oh yeah, they don't meander. They don't fuck around. No, this is like the thesis statement made, and it's so cool because it is gruesome. The opening is like it's just all these. It's all this dope lighting. Oh, the matte paintings were backlit for mm. all of this, so which gives you that really cool spooky effect. 
Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you have all of that. You have all the lighting effects going on and creating the storm. And you've got her screaming at the everybody saying, like, I curse you all in the name of Satan, yada, yada, yada. It's just like Hocus Pocus. Yeah. The beginning of Hocus Ex- Pocus. The exact same. The exact same thing. Yes. No, we're, we're all, like, super spoiled by what movies and effects are able to do nowadays that I think that we have trouble... You know, we see these and we don't really think much of it. But then when you actually put yourself in 1960... I can't imagine... This is insanely creative. Yeah. Not to mention, like, that they show the... Like, they they show the mask going on their faces and the fucking brutal mallet that goes... It hits it. But that's such a great opening. Like... Yeah. No, it's... it's, Yeah. I just couldn't... I could not say that because it's one of my favorite openings in film, like I said. So then a full two centuries later... Yeah. It's a long time to wait. Yeah. Dr. Kruvahan and his assistant, Dr. Gorobek, are traveling through Moldavia en route to a medical conference when one wheel on their carriage breaks. Um, And then while waiting for their coachman to fix it, they wander into this nearby crypt and they discover the tomb, Asa's tomb. Mm -hmm. And observing her her death mask through a glass panel... Uh, Kruvahan breaks the panel and the cross above it, which is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, while striking a bat, which like leave the fucking bats alone. Um, they're they're cute. You're in their territory. Seriously, leave them alone. I also love. So they didn't actually use any like puppets or like models or anything like this for this. Oh, really? There are no bats in the scene. Uh, it was all lighting effects. What? Yeah, he like had like this flip filter. He, they like created a flip filter that went over the light that they were shining in there. So you have all this really drastic gothic lighting, like we've talked about with expressionism. Yeah. Giallo takes a lot from that. The the Giallo movement does. And so instead of using something, he was like, I don't want it to look hokey. So instead of having a rubber bat on a string, <laughs> it's literally just the actor like flailing around and then like firing off the cap into the distance, right? The the squib. And um yeah, there's literally zero bats in the scene. That's fucking cool. Because they couldn't use real ones because, you know, you can't control them. And they couldn't do, uh, they didn't want to do like a hokey looking like rubber bat. So he's like, I don't want people to laugh in this moment. I want them to feel fear. So he just does this like really cool lighting effect. It's like flashing lights. That is very cool. Yeah. And sound effects. But yeah. Um, so he ends up removing Asa's death mask, revealing a partially preserved corpse. He mm-hmm. cuts his hand on the broken glass, and some of his blood drips onto Asa. Uh-oh. Which, so far, classic tale of people going into places they don't belong, <laughs> fucking shit up again like Hocus Pocus. He, The virgin lights the candle. Yeah. I'm seeing parallels here. I'm um, also just saying, leave shit alone. Stop no- touching things. Nosy men. Nose. It's always nosy it's men. Nosy fucking men. Well, they think that they have a right to everything. We talked about this in Midsummer. We did. So then they head outside, um, and Kruvahan and Gorobek meet Katya Vajda. She tells them that she lives with her father and brother Constantine in a nearby castle that the villagers believe is haunted. Struck by her haunting beauty and sadness. I think a lot of people, <laughs> I hope a lot of people say that about me. I often do. struck by my haunting beauty and sadness. That's how we met. Ooh. Gorbik becomes smitten with Katya. How could you not? She's, she's a, stunning. She sounds like Phoebe Bridgers. Um, 
I was thinking a little more. I was thinking Mitski, but yeah, that's true. Any of those gals, haunting beauty and sadness. It's what Lana Del Rey wants to be, but could never. So then the two men leave her and drive to an inn. Meanwhile, Kruvahan's blood brings Asa back to life. Of course. Yeah. Um, She contacts her lover telepathically. Casual. Um, He rises from his grave. He's like, babe, I'm on my way. (laughs) And goes to Prince Vajta's castle, where Vajta holds up a crucifix to ward off the reanimated corpse. However... Vajta is so terrified by the visit, he becomes paralyzed with fear. Ooh. And Constantine, Constantine sends a servant to fetch Dr. Kruvahan, but the servant is killed before he can reach the inn. Oh, no. ruh And then um, he brings Kruvahan to the castle under the pretext that his services are needed. Mm-hmm. We need you right away, yeah. bro. Javelik. Yeah. And then... He basically leads Kruvahan to Asa's crypt. The witch hypnotizes Kruvahan and says she needs the rest of his blood. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Asa then kisses him, returning him into or turning him into her servant. Yeah, big old sexy hypnotist kiss. Yep, love witch vibes. Very much so. And then by Asa's command, Kruvahan follows up on the request to tend to Vajda. He orders the crucifix removed from the room, ostensibly so. It will not upset Vashta. This allows uh, her lover to return later and murder him. Mm-hmm. Asa's plan is to revive herself by draining Katya of her life, since Katya is physically Asa reincarnated. They're literally yeah. played by the same actress, yeah. etc. Barbara Steele plays both parts, yes. Mm-hmm. Puzzled to hear that Kruvahan abandoned his patient shortly before he died, Gorobik questions Sonia, a little girl who saw who saw um, Asa's lover take Kruvahan to the castle. She identifies Kru- Kruvahan's uh, escort with a painting of him. Mm-hmm. Um, a priest and Gorobik go to the grave and find Kruvahan's body inside the coffin. Realizing he is now one of the undead, they kill him by driving a nail through his eye. Yup, it's dope. Gross. Ouch. And then um, Constantine gets thrown into a death pit and then takes Katya to Asa. Yeah, Jump Dick does, yeah. Yeah, he gets gets thrown into a death pit, a pit of death. A pit of death. A pit of death. Haunting beauty and sadness. Pits of death. Pits of death. These are all buzzwords for me. <laughs> um, Nicole has become horny. Take it or leave it. <laughs> um, also drains Katya of her youth. Yikes. Um, when the witch goes to take her blood, the crucifix around Katya's neck thwarts her. Thwarted. Thwarted, bitch. <laughs> she said swipe or no swiping <laughs> <laughs> bitch you've been thwarted um, so Gorobek enters the crypt to save Katya but Yavatik attacks him and pushes him to the edge of the death pit the death pit, death pit. Constantine uses the last of his strength ugh, to pull Yavatik into the pit and push Gorbik to safety. Gorbik finds Asa, Asa and Katya. Asa pretends to be Katya and tells Gorbik that Katya is 
the witch. So this is around the time where we get that amazing um, line that has been used in memes and everything. Yeah. Um, that's like, um, woman, demon, countess, or whatever the hell you are. <laughs> it's literally how I address you when you walk in the door. I wish you would. <laughs> um, and so she's trying to tell Gorbik that Katya is the witch. Which this is just rude. Let's not pit women against each other, even though they're Katya's Asa incarnated. Let's just, you know, can we just not? We already have enough fingers pointing at witches, you know. Mm-hmm. The witches should band together. <laughs> anyway, accordingly, he goes to kill Katya, but notices the crucifix that she's wearing has no effect on her. He turns to Asa and opens her robe, revealing a fleshless skeletal frame. Yes, such a good reveal. Also rude to undress a woman without asking first. At least buy me something. Hmm. Like a new body. That's what she's trying to do. She wants Katya's body. Because it's her body. But it's not her body. It's weird. Yeah. It's a lot to think about. Um, The priest then arrives with many torch-carrying villagers. (laughs) (laughs) Whole ass mob. (laughs) Whole ass mob. And they burn Asa to death for, like, basically the second time. I mean, they well, don't they burn, actually, they yeah, don't they get, get to, to burn time, her. Yeah. yeah, they get to. That's what I mean. Um, Katya awakens from her stupor, her life and beauty restored, and she is reunited with Gorobik, and they live happily ever after. Yeah. Or so they think. I don't think, I don't think that's the last they would see of Asa, even though there's no, like, sequel to this movie, I don't think. No, there's not. But. But, I can imagine, the witches return. <laughs> Black um, Monday. Black Monday. We'll just do every day of the week. <laughs> Black Friday. That's this a had been whole made, different thing. Yeah, but if this had been made in the 80s, you absolutely would have gotten every single day of the week. Oh, yeah. You would have gotten... And then you would have gotten, like, Black Weekend. Weekend at Asa's. Yeah, yeah Weekend at Asa's. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fun. Um, so, I think we should we should discuss a little bit why... This movie was chosen um, yeah. as a part of Origins Month, um, other than, you know, some of the obvious reasons, you know? Yeah, so our our baseline, or, or not our baseline, our rubric for choosing movies is, you know, we want it to be interesting. We want it to be something worth talking about. And particularly this month, it has, like, there's so many we could cover, right? Oh, yeah. There's 100 years of film. We literally covered one from 102 years ago last week, right? Yeah. So... Some of the choices were obvious, right? Nosferatu and Caligari, super obvious choices. Yeah. Um, I really wanted to cover Onibaba. It was a movie I'd been wanting to see for a long time, and it is one of the first Japanese horror films that's good. Yeah. Right? And that's the thing, is it has to be good. And so, and it also has to have, like, import, right? Some right. sort of weight and some sort of, like, lasting effect on film and horror as a genre. So this movie has obvious influence. Like it even says in the Shutter bio that it, or um, the Shutter description, not bio, Shutter <laughs> description of this movie um, that it inspired Sleepy Hollow by Tim Burton, and then it inspired the Coppola version of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, um, which is terrible, but <laughs> but hey, some people love it. Some people think it's fucking amazing. I can't stand it, but um, there's and, parts of it that are good, but not much. Yeah. And then we certainly see um, we certainly see its influence in you know other more recent films. Like one of the most obvious ones is The Love Witch. Yes, this there is so much taken directly from this there because um, 
in this particular one, seduction is such a huge tactic. I mean, it's the driving force of so much of the plot. Yeah. And then the love witch, same thing. It is mm-hmm. The plot wouldn't happen without the seduction um, of the love witch. Yeah. So, um, so I guess that, that also brings me to, um, my hill that I, well, not hill that I die on. I think a lot of people believe this, but, um, (laughs) just how, how witches have been interpreted throughout life and art and media and Mm -hmm. everything, how it's pretty much two polar opposites, but both are pretty offensive when you think about it. Um, they're either, uh, represented as like crones, hags, right? something that nobody would ever want to touch sexually, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Like that's the purpose of it. Um, and then on the other side of that, there's, on the other side of that, there's that like haunting beauty and sadness, right? Yes. There's that, I mean, haunting beauty, meaning that you cannot resist them. Yeah. There's something about their beauty that haunts you, right? Yeah. You are drawn to them for reasons you don't really know why. Yeah. Um, and, and that all goes back to ancient, ancient times where, again, I'm going to say this once more, the amount of men versus women who were practicing witchcraft back in the day, pretty equal, yeah, pretty equal. It always has but been. But you want to know who was persecuted for that sort of shit? All the women or mm-hmm. not all of them, but most of them. So many people were tried and killed and burned at the stake and all that shit when, most men were pretty much just trying to cover their asses. So they were like, yo, I'm not doing this shit. But like Martha next door, you should probably go over there. She her house smells kind of weird or like, you know, like <laughs> she's I've, I've been hearing some, you know, animal sacrifices or like whatever. Her sister was a witch, bro. Oh, my God. You're going to tell me that I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. So. So it goes back to this like. A, like, male fragility, like, where um, they're pointing fingers at women so that they don't get burned at the stake for practicing witchcraft. And Mm -hmm. then, um, on the other hand, they're afraid of of women being empowered. They're afraid of that power that certain women have over them. And how how do you tear someone down? You either, like insult their looks you call them like ugly or you write them as like a crone yeah you write them as like maybe they have powers but they're ugly right right so you won't be and well yeah um yes so i think about seduction in in some interesting ways and i think this movie does it well um obviously it uses the physical seduction of just like barbara Steele being an absolute babe right babs is a babe but it also uses the seduction of power right yeah so it's, yeah, it's the way I think about a lot of witches. Like usually when you have the hag or the crone or what have you, you you find this like, so they are seduced by and then use power to seduce, right? Like that's how they get familiars and things like that. Or like, um, that's why you'll see men being subservient to them, even if they aren't uh, typically sexy. The idea of power is sexy, right? That you could yeah. have some margin of power. Like, um, I think about like Renfield in in Dracula, right? Yeah. Same idea, seduced by the power, the promise of eternal life. Yeah. And then in any like, and um, Thomason is seduced by power. Yeah. Um, to become a witch. Listen. She's not seduced by sex. She's seduced by power. And so it's the things that they find that are seductive. They, the things they find seductive are different 
for each witch and each iteration. And I find that this movie, this movie does play with it a little bit more than other iterations have, right? Yeah, confidence equals power, and power is attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so is and so is confidence, you know, in turn. And I think that that, for centuries even to this day, scares people. I think that 100%. they're, you know, and, and that either brings out their own insecurities or that brings out... Um, like you know, let me let me let me be a part of this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then there's that whole there's that whole storyline of like the crone turning into like the really attractive woman, and then turning in back into the crone and Melisandre from Game of Thrones. Yeah, exactly. And then like the men being like, "Oh, you tricked me." Yeah, oh. gross. But yeah, it's just it's I'm always fascinated to look at how witches are represented in media, um, and how how that has become such a totem for femininity and people still fear women's power. Right. Oh, absolutely. Or yes. else we wouldn't get these like dudes that lash out. We wouldn't get these, you know, um, problematic um, situations, right? They, it, it's, it all stems from insecurities and fear and um, people don't like to see for whatever reason, um, a woman who is powerful. Yeah, and we've talked about this with um, basically every time we talk about witches on this podcast, we've we've talked about that. And I don't mean yeah. that like to dismiss you. I'm saying that like it's it's an important point to bring up. Like we talked about it in yeah. our very first episode. This is also this is just another informing factor because yeah. now we're seeing this Italian film who kind of who who views views witches the same exact way that we've portrayed them. Um, in the U.S. ever since, you know, the dawn of media. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Where it's this thing to be feared. It's like um, that, you know, they're obviously, like, very crafty. They can somehow escape death. Um, all of these all of these things that um, tie back to kind of how we've pictured them the, our, our entire... Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Um, it's also, it's funny because, like, even when there's exceptions, they prove the rule, like right. So like, yeah. Glinda, uh, in Wizard of Oz, is before this, right? But she's depicted as beautiful and friendly, so she's a good witch. Yeah. And the wicked witch, of the wicked blah 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 blah, and the wicked witch of the West is portrayed as ugly with the long hook nose and a big wart and green skin and all this shit, right? Yeah. So I, that's sort of how I see. So that's sort of like like I said, the exception proves the rule, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we we've had fun with witches. Samantha from Bewitched is always a classic, which came out right after this. But again, every time there's an exception, it's proving the rule. Yeah. Because she's like virginal and cute and yada yada, and she's married to an astronaut and all this shit. Uh, but it's played for comedy, and it's like, oh, she's a witch, but it's okay. This one's be- this one's pretty. Yeah, exactly. And um, and she's blonde and yada yada. Like that sort of st- that's sort of what I mean to get at is that yeah. like when witches are beautiful, they are what well, when they're good witches, they're blonde and fair skinned. When they're bad witches, they have dark hair, darker features. They're vampy. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that and and they're more um 
they're more they're more sexualized. Exactly. Right? Like um and and that's again, it's something that carries over even to today. We we uh, love to or a lot of, you know, problematic people. And I'm glad that this is being called out more and more, but we you know, people love to say, you know, that um when women are expressing themselves in maybe a more sexual way that like that they deserve less out of life. Right. Or that they deserve less respect. Yeah. Which is, you know, complete bullshit. And I'm glad that people, you know, TikTok is honestly like it brought <laughs> a lot of awareness to this. Like a lot of people, you may think that TikTok is very, you know, like a vapid um, place or a place of, you know, no substance. But I don't know. I think that I, I think that there's certainly there's something there where you can s- share information like that and awareness about something that quickly yeah can be I th- no can i agree terrible, i'm fully with you yeah can be amazing but like i don't know i i like i like that you can get out in like a minute long video your perspective on something so then you're hearing a lot of different people's perspectives on a certain um topic absolutely so yeah. um so yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's what I think. Glinda the Good Witch and um, the Wicked Witch of the West is a um, is a perfect example of that. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, where like you see Glinda as wholesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's fully dressed up and she's wearing pink and a crown and floats. And, and not that like the Wicked Witch of the West is sexualized because it is a she's children's not, yeah. movie, but. She's quote unquote different. Yes. Right? Yeah. I think that's really fear what we're yeah. yeah, fear of the other. I think that's really what we're um getting at there. And yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's just funny because this movie, um, talking about origins, it plays with that very typical like the whole movie started because two dudes were meddling in something that they shouldn't have been. Yeah. Leave they, her alone. Leave, yeah, if you had just left her, I mean, she's probably pretty stoked that y'all were idiots and like did all that. But yeah, um, none of this movie would have ever happened if they had just minded their own goddamn business. Facts. Um, so. Yeah. So I want to talk more about what, like, why I chose, like, why we chose this, right? Yeah. Specifically in the in the vein of origins. <laughs> Which mind. rant by Nicole end? <laughs> I'm done. But. Yeah, no, I mean, that's all. that was all important because it is, like, we're talking about how witches represented and how we see them and yada yada and, like, how we see... And how we use that as a, as a, a like, reader for how we view women. Yeah. But I also want to talk about just, like, the technical sides of things on this, too. For sure. Because I want to be a nerd about some shit. So... Go for it, babe. So I adore spaghetti westerns and the giallo movement in general. Yes. Um, I think it's one of my favorite periods in... The 1960s in general uh, in film... Yeah was just such a cool cool time there was a lot of fun stuff going on and it's when we developed so many techniques that we used forever techniques that still get used today in a lot of times uh, or in a lot of ways so this movie definitely like i was talking earlier about like the the matte paintings being backlit yeah so that is a technique that had been used it's not like uh baba created it but it is something that he used to affect to an effect that everybody started copying it. Yeah. Right. It had been used before. He knew like he didn't come up with that. 
Right. But he f- used it. And so that's what I like, like. We talked about this with um with Oni Baba. Like, it's not that he these people developed these techniques necessarily. It's that they made them into something that got copied and is interesting, right? Yes. So, what I love about this is that you start seeing this because he was so the studio wanted him to do this in Technicolor to compete with Dracula. Oh, okay. And he refused. He's like, no, I'm shooting this in black and white. Because I can do, yeah, me too. I can't imagine what this movie would look like in color. It would look like shit, honestly. Yeah, a lot of the beauty honestly does come from this movie being in black and white in the shadows. And mm -hmm. yeah, you wouldn't get the same effect. No. And I mean, you could with other things, but with his budget, he's like, no, I'm going to shoot it black and white. I'm going to, I'm not going to shoot Technicolor because then I can do, he wanted to like, actually, I realize now that every movie we've covered this month has been in black and white, but it's these love letters to expressionism, right? Yeah. When you couldn't have color. Um, Onibaba could have been in color. Black Sunday could have been in color. But they both refused to because they were paying homage to the the past and using those techniques and building on those techniques yes. so that they could create these dark, terrifying spaces, right? Um, like we talked about with Onibaba, we, you, they were talking about... Um, um, uh, uh, no theater. Yeah. And how you use the lighting to change the expression of the mask, right? And we have another mask here. It's the same idea. You're using lighting to change the tension of the scene and to increase the tension of the scene and flip things, right? Yeah. Whenever we see um, uh, Gorobek and Katya together, it's in a softer tone. It's not as it's not nearly as uh, stark. Yeah. In the lighting, and they're they're softer lit. Whenever we see Asa it's much more starkly lit, right? Same with the Yuvich. Like, it's... With yeah. Igor. It's like, it's just... It's all different takes on the same methods. Yeah. And I love the combination of those things. And like I said, using... Just using lighting effects and sound effects to create the bats. To the point that you believe there's a bat in that scene. I did. And there's not. <laughs> and I, I, like, I was... I had forgotten about that when we were watching it last night. And like last night, I'm like, yeah, wow, the bats look great. No, they don't because they don't exist. <laughs> There's no bats. There were no so bats. Clever. That's yeah. so, like, that is one of the cleverest things I've ever heard of. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And then, yeah, so I love the idea of using all of these different, like, high saturation, but high saturation, high contrast, but entirely in uh, blacks, grays, and whites. Yeah. And it's just fucking brilliant to me. Um, It's one of the reasons I love black and white film in general is because you can just pump up the contrast like none other. Yeah. uh, Without doing oversaturation also. I'm colorblind. So I appreciate (laughs) black and white films because I can't always see the colors that I need to see. That's true. Um, It's it's part of why Wes Anderson doesn't work on me because I don't see the high color saturation. Yeah. But I, I love that he... That Bava and this film inspired not just more horror films, although he definitely did. Yeah. But he inspired some of my favorite movies, like uh, the Man with No Name trilogy. Yeah. The Sergio Leone, right? Like some of the best movies ever made, some of the best westerns ever made. Uh, popularized, if not invented, the technique of day is night. Like, right. Which is one of my favorite techniques to use as a filmmaker, and one of the things I see, and I'm like, fuck yeah, that's so good, because you can get much sharper image, blah, blah, blah. Um, and seeing the techniques done in a completely different genre yeah, is really fucking cool. Now, granted, those didn't really use matte paintings as the background, but it was they used high backlight. 
Like yeah. they would shoot things backlit, which is the same idea, right? So he would put, um, Leone would put the sun where you wouldn't put the sun. Yeah. Right? Like he would shoot into the sun so you could backlight your characters and you would have the sets be so bright and contrasty mm-hmm. and your characters be dark. And you, it's because you, it was, and he used that to convey the emotion of like mistrust. Yeah. And your characters are not being sure who's good, who's bad, and who's ugly. Yeah. Ha ha. Um, so I love that about him, that he doesn't do the class. Like, he, Leone was flipping the script on what was classically done. The same way that Bava was flipping the script on what was classically done. Yeah. Um, it was not, this is not how you shot a movie before him. Right. This is not how you shot in black and white before him. Yeah. You, we, we've watched a lot of those films that are in black and white, and they are, yeah, they use contrast and all that shit. And yes, we were watching a remaster and not the original print, but it's still, I've seen the older prints, and they still hit really well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've seen one of the Italian VHS rips, and it's fucking good. Still, even at the, even with a grainy, like, lower fidelity, it's really fucking good. And it's because he took so much time and care and effort to light this. And we never talk, we don't talk about lighting as much as we ought, might ought to in this in this podcast. But lighting is such an important thing in film. It's just as important as score or camera placement or camera moves and all of that. Yeah, this movie does a really great job of, um, and something that we've seen a little bit more recently as well. They do a really great job of uh, relying on the, or not relying on, but utilizing what's already there and the effects that they can do to really create dread as opposed to like the plot or the actors creating dread. It's yes. more like the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen that before where like the acting is, you know, has been directed in a certain way that where that's not really going to build dread. Maybe it's just like normal people acting normal or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, but it's just like those little eerie things that happen that are just a little bit off again, Gothic, like yes. a little bit off where you're just like, I don't like this. Like, there's something about me that just knows something's going to go wrong, and I don't like it. And they do a really great job in this of utilizing their um, lighting and their set and effects to really make that happen. Because uh, other than that, you just kind of have, like, two dopey guys who, like, made a mistake. <laughs> um, and then a really hot lady who's like, I want this lady's body who's my incarnate like yeah it's <laughs> my so, reincarnation my reincarnation whatever um what are words um but yeah i think that that is really cool um yeah thank yeah. you for having me <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but yeah no i mean i do i mean you talk about the gothic too like that's that little thing that's off that puts you in the right mind state to be like, wait a second is how the film ends. Cause yeah. he, if he hadn't noticed the crucifix game over, man. Bye. But it's because he notices the one thing that's off a small, tiny detail. That's just a little bit wrong. And he's like, wait, 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 wait a fucking wait second. Wait a minute. Yep. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's those little things that are off and like, it's all of that. And that's the, that's just too, that's the strength of the writing too. Yeah. And the direction. But yeah, I mean, I love I love this as a love letter to German Expressionism, but also as a looking forward to the rest of the Giallo movement. Yeah. Um, and if y'all don't know what that is, y'all need to go into it. But I can give you the basic description, which I should have done up top. Um, so the Giallo movement is uh, mystery fiction, thrillers, horror films, uh, pre- predominantly from... 
Italy, and they are like explicitly based on or from Italian um, films, and that's what created it. So you know, um, there's like the girl who knew too much, and that's supposed to be the first one, but that was heavily inspired by this movie, even down to light- lighting techniques. Um, yeah, it was a uh, 1963 was that movie, and like that, the lighting effects fr- in that film are explicitly based on Mario Bava's, mm-hmm. and I think that's so fucking cool. That um, is cool. Yeah, and then like um, Carpenter ends up being super inspired by that. Uses it. He uses a lot of Giallo in the um, in the thing. Yeah, which I think we talked about in that episode. But he totally like used those styles, even though that was in color. He treated like we talked about it. It's all in blues and browns and grays. Yeah, and it's very muted. muted. And so he was treating yeah. it like it was black and white, but sh- having that high contrast in other ways. Yeah. And I just, I, yeah, I just, I love any time that you can see, look back and see, like, that's what that person was doing. Robert Eggers did it in both The Witch and The Lighthouse. 100%. Although yeah. in The Witch, he was using all, only natural and candlelight. Yeah. He still found ways to use the sun and candlelight to produce those giallo uh, styles. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. Cool. Um, well, that about wraps me up. I, I should shut up for <laughs> I'm tired anyway. Um, but yeah, um, I love this movie. This has been a fun. It, this has been a fun birthday month for this. It was a, a last minute decision on the theme. I had not planned this out. <laughs> I think it paid off, though. I think that this was a very important. I think it's always important to see where you've been to know where you're going. And it just enriches your experience to when you like, obviously, you can watch all of these movies that we've been saying are, you know, reference any of these movies that we've talked about this month totally. and enjoy it and have a perfectly great experience. And some of them might even be your absolute favorite thing. But I would highly recommend going back like, you know, and watching what inspired that, even if it's something small, like a little technique that... Um, maybe started with one of these movies or even like a, the full plot and, and narrative of a, mm-hmm. of a movie that you love because I think it just enriches your experience even more to know where that came from. Yeah, know your history. Yeah, especially if you are, you know, like a, a, a big horror fan. So I'm, I'm really glad that we ended up doing this for this month it's been um, fun yeah and yeah. i got to see a like i'd seen three of these yeah before several times before like this i've watched this movie probably once or twice a year for yeah, the yeah. last few years but i had never seen onibaba and like i said during that episode i was searching for bad things to say about it and i still can't find one 100 <laughs> percent. so i mean yeah if you're if you're a horror fan who's maybe stuck on what you want to watch go go back yeah go yeah, go go all the way back. Maybe do a little bit of research on what your favorite movie is and what inspired that director and go back and watch those things because, again, you'll... Pro- and then watch your favorite one again and you'll probably be like, oh, ha, yeah. Totally. <laughs> I get it now. Um, but yeah, I, I, I find this movie really, really fascinating. I mean, I find witches in general really fascinating. You guys know this if you've listened to any other episode that has to do with a witch. Um, oh, I also didn't mention this is like one of the first times we ever saw a witch in a horror film on screen. Yes. We had never really done that. Yeah. Um, and that's why I was like, we're doing Black Sunday. Because I knew I wanted to hit that. Like, if yeah. it's origins. Because we did, like, first time we see demons in Japanese uh, yes. film. First literal literal first horror film ever, and then first time we ever see a vampire in film. So, so like, why okay, not? Yeah, let's hit a witch movie. Witches. Yeah, let's move on to the witches. Yeah, um, but yeah. There's just there's such a rich history there that um, revolves around witches, where it, it's it's like a trend that keeps coming up, but it's also an a, 
it also kind of never goes away in horror films. Totally. Like if you think about like the the um sur- the 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 witch surge of like the '90s, you've got like The Craft, you've got Charmed, you've got Sabrina the Teenage Witch, you've got um, Willow. Hocus Pocus even fucking, came out in the early '90s. Yeah, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Willow, and one of the other characters are witches as well. Yeah. So we've uh, we've. We've always had these moments of, you know, exploring this idea of a woman with powers. And then you've got, you know, The Vavitch, which is, you know, my <laughs> favorite movie, and um, The Love Witch, and, you know, all these more recent, uh, I guess you could call them, you know, more artsy horror films. But um, I always think it's really fun to take a look at that very rich history where you have a, a woman in a certain place of power and how people react around that power totally so it's just it's always yeah no it's always really cool i mean the narrative of any sort of power exchange is always going to be you know exciting Mm -hmm. right um but yeah that's really all i have to say about this movie so sweet to take us out here you guys know where to find us we're on instagram at horror babes podcast we're on twitter at horror babes pod and we have a website horrorbabespod.com if you're enjoying us please give us a little rating or review on itunes Yes, we love reading them. And our DMs are always open if you have any requests for the coming months. We are all ears. So until next time. Bye, Bye, babes. babes. Hey, babe. Yeah, babe. Yeah, babe.